1: Notice in verse 21 of Matthew 19, Jesus said, This kind does not go out except by what? Fasting and prayer. Jesus said, This kind of demon, this boy has requires them to pray and to fast. Now you write this down. Ephesians 6:12. There are different rankings of d- demonic power. And some are stronger and more stubborn. And some are resistant to others. And Jesus said, the reason you couldn't cast this demon out is because of your prayerlessness and your powerlessness. Fasting goes with prayer and prayer goes with fasting. What's the difference? Listen, prayer attaches your heart to heaven and fasting detaches your heart from the world. Prayer attaches your heart to heaven and fasting detaches your heart from the world. It isn't that prayer and fasting makes you more worthy to cast out demons. I don't think people in the church really have a clue as to what fasting is all about. We don't have a clue. We think that if we fast, God will do something that we want done. Hmm. Fasting does not move God in your direction. Fasting does not cause God to do something that you want done. Fasting, listen, and prayer draws us closer to the heart of God and puts us more in line with his power. It doesn't cause God to do what you want done. It brings you closer to God and puts you more in line with his power. Fasting, listen, makes you let go of the here. It really does. And there's no set time on fasting. We hear this, you know, 40 days of fasting and 50 days of fasting and 10 days of fasting. Listen, the Bible, Jesus just says when you fast, he doesn't tell you when, how, anything. He just says when you fast, you can fast for one meal. You can just say, you know what? Today, I'm not having breakfast. And or you can fast for two meals. I'm not going to have breakfast or lunch, but I'm going to have dinner. Or you can fast for one day or you can fast for two days or you can fast for three days. I'll tell you something. After the third day, I know this to be a fact, it gets easier. It's very interesting. After the third day, you could probably go seven easy. But fasting has no requirements. Now, when you are fasting, you don't want to be thinking about, man, I can't wait for this fast is over so I can get to, get me something to eat. <laughs> I know I'm not talking to anybody in here. I'm just, I'm just chatting. You know, some of them, well, man, I can't wait till lunch, breakfast is over because I am starving. Lunch can't get here quick enough. Well, you don't want to be doing that. You, the time that you're fasting, here's what I'm trying to say. The time that you're fasting, it's a time that should be dedicated to God. It's a time, it doesn't matter what time. It could be one hour. It could be, again, breakfast. But it should be a time where you just take the time to set it aside and say, during this hour, I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my word. Y'all listening to me? I'm trying to help you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my word. And I'm going to listen to some music. Worship. Worship Music. And I'm going to seek the heart of the Lord. That's what you do during your fast, whether it's one meal, two meals, one day, whatever it is. But fasting makes you let go of the here. I mean, think about this. One of the basic drives in the world is eating. It's the one holy thing that we have left. We Christians, it's the one holy thing that we Christians have left. I mean, think about it. Jesus liked to eat. Did y'all know that? Jesus liked to eat. He told Zacchaeus, get out of the tree. I'm coming over to eat. That's the Rodney 1-1 version. But you know, when we come into the kingdom, the first order of business is we're going to sit down at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we will eat. In Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and I will, what do you say? Sup, eat, dine. He's going to eat. But when you shut down that eating, you are detaching yourself from the world. It's almost like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. You are are dethroning self and enthroning God. Did you get me? You're dethroning self and enthroning God. Notice in Luke 9 verse 43, they were all amazed at the majesty of God. And they marveled that they were at the authority that Jesus had over the demon. Jesus just spoke a word to the demon, get out, and it left. And Jesus delivered the boy and handed him back to his dad. And while they marveled, he looked at his disciples and he said, let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to. You see, the cross is before him. He's on his way to Jerusalem. The Bible tells us that Jesus set his face like a flint stone toward going to the cross. The son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. In other words, I'm not going to set up my kingdom yet. But in verse 45, they didn't get it. Look at it. They didn't get it. And they were afraid to say, hey, Jesus, we're not getting it. They didn't ask him, Jesus, please explain You ever talk to somebody and you're telling them something and you say, are you getting me? Are you understanding me? And they're going, yes. (laughs) And they got this like blank look on their face. They're going, yes, they're not getting you. See, this is why I like Thomas. Thomas, This is exactly why I like Thomas, because don't you remember when Jesus was telling the disciples in John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you and the way you where I'm going, you know, and the way you know. And all the other disciples, they're standing around. Jesus is saying, I'm going, and you know where I'm going, and you know how I'm going to get there, and you know the way and all this. And the other disciples are all standing there going, yes, yes, yes. Yes, we understand. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes. Yes, where you're going, we know. Yes, the way we know. And Thomas, I love Thomas. Thomas said, Jesus, we do not know what you are talking about. (laughs) Don't you love Thomas? Look, keep it real. Jesus, we don't have a clue what you talking about. And it was, point, and it was at that point that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no man comes to the father, but by me, Thomas, Jesus is saying, you know, the way Thomas says, we don't know the way Jesus says, I am the way. That's why we have that verse. So here Jesus is talking and the disciples aren't getting it and they're afraid to ask Jesus and to ask him what he's talking about and, they, and ask him to explain because they don't want to look dumb. Look at verse 46 in your Bibles. Then a dispute, verse 46, you're looking at it, say amen. Then a dispute r- arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. That's hilarious. And Jesus, in verse 47, perceiving the thoughts of their hearts. Don't you know Jesus knows the thought of your heart? He took a little child and he set him by him. And he said to him, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will be great. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. Jesus is talking about facing death. Are you getting this? Jesus is talking about facing death and being killed, and they were thinking, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? Jesus is talking about abasement, and they are thinking about advancement. Very interesting. A few verses ago, they couldn't cast a demon out of a boy, and now they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And I'm sure Peter, and I get the scene here, they're all standing around in a circle, and they're like, who's going to be the greatest? Well, I'm going to be the greatest. Well, I'm going to be the greatest. Well, who's going to be the greatest? I'm going to be the greatest. And don't y'all love Peter? Peter probably said, excuse me, excuse me, fellas, excuse me. I would just like to tell you, I'm going to be the greatest. <laughs> and the reason I'm going to be the greatest is because I, let me remind you, I am the one that walked on water. And they would say, yeah, and you sunk also. Peter would say, well, let me further remind you that I'm the one that recognized Jesus as God. And it was Jesus who said to me, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father, which is in heaven. I'm the one Jesus said that to. And they would say, and yeah. And right after that, he also called you Satan. Well, John might say, well, yes, I'm, The beloved, I am the closest to Jesus. Matthew would say, yeah, but I gave up a very lucrative business to follow Jesus. Mark tells us they were arguing and Jesus asked them. They're arguing (laughs) and Jesus asked them. He walks up and says, hey, what you guys arguing about? And they said, nothing, (laughs) nothing, nothing at all. So they asked Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And they are, get this, breathlessly waiting for Jesus to name Jesus the one. And Jesus didn't yell at him. He didn't condemn him. He didn't lash out at him. Jesus didn't say, hey dummies, I'm the greatest. Verse 47 tells us that Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking. And so he gave them a little neat object lesson. He took a child. He set him on his lap. And he said, if you receive a little child in my name, you receive me. And if you receive me, you receive the one who sent me. For whoever is least among you will be greatest in the kingdom. They are arguing as to who is great. Jesus says, whichever one of you has the time to take care of children, they will be great. Do you understand Jesus loves children if you understand that, please say amen. amen. We don't want to have to go all the way back. Jesus loves children. Somebody wrote the song. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves children. And because Jesus loves children, listen, you should love children. Christian you should love children because Jesus loves children. And Jesus says the greatest in the kingdom is the one, listen to me, the greatest in the kingdom is the one who takes the time to minister and bless the children. Now, you want to find out who the greatest in the kingdom is? I'll tell you what to do. Go down there to the children's ministry, to the nursery, look in that classroom with that teacher, and she got 12 Crying babies, that's the greatest in the kingdom. And one thing about babies, babies like the synchronized cry. Don't they? It's like I don't know who who the leader synchronized baby is. I guess it's whoever comes in first. But that baby through baby telepathy tells all the other babies, okay, on my count, we're all going to cry at the same time. One, two, three and they all just go crazy. And you got the teacher, she's in there freaking out. You go down there doing second service, it is nuts. I remember when our last church, I remember in our last church, we had four children's church classrooms. We had 300 people and four children's church classrooms. And you remember that, Michelle? We have four children's church classrooms. And and one of the classrooms was like a 10 by 10. It was like the smallest classroom ever. So I'm being the good pastor that I am, and I'll go classroom to classroom. And I'm like, hi, everybody. I stick my head in. Hi, everybody. Hello, boys and girls. And <laughs> it's kind of like Mr. Rogers. That's so only adult they're not afraid of. So they go, hi, everybody. How's the teacher today? How are you doing? So I stuck my head in this one classroom. The classrooms are 10 by 10, and the teacher probably had 20 kids in there. And, and she's plastered up. I stick my head, and she is plastered up against the wall. Kids are everywhere. Kids are on the ceiling. I don't know how they did that. But they're on the ceiling, and I look at the teacher, and I go, hi there. How's everything going? And she goes, Don't ask me. And I was like, okay, see you later. Kids a synchronized. You want to find out who the greatest in the kingdom is. You go down there. And it's an amazing thing because people think that greatness in the kingdom has to do with being seen. Hmm. And the pastor, well, he's going to be the greatest in the kingdom because he's preaching the word every day. Listen, I can tell you something. I honestly believe this, that I don't believe I'm going to be greatest in the kingdom. Matter of fact, I honestly believe, quite honestly, I'm probably going to be the least in the kingdom. And the reason I'm going to be the least in the kingdom is because as I preach the word and people hear the word and on my computer, I have a for his glory file. So whenever people Uh, hear my messages on the radio or on the internet or whatever, and they send me a letter saying, thank you so much for your message, and so on and so forth, I put it in the For His Glory file, and I actually read that file whenever I need encouragement to keep going in the ministry. And so, you know, people tell me regularly, and pastors around the country And what a blessing they are. I don't think that pastors will be the greatest in the kingdom. I honestly think they'll probably be the least in the kingdom. I think the greatest in the kingdom will be those who are serving the children. People will oftentimes come to me and they'll say, Oh, Pastor Rodney, I just want you to know that if, you know, if you ever need a break from the pulpit, I have a sermon ready in my back pocket. And if you need a break, you just let me know. And I'm Roger on the spot, man. I'll preach and I've got a sermon right here in my back pocket. I've never heard anybody say, Pastor Rodney, if you need someone to change poopy diapers in the nursery, I've got a diaper in my back pocket. I've never heard that because people think that greatness has to do with being seen or the worship leader. Listen, greatness has to do with the person out there in the parking lot on a rainy, wet, cold day, and they're moving the cars and doing it in the name of Jesus. They're going to be great in the kingdom. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. That's true. They're going to be great. The person that's dealing with the children each week, they're gonna be great. The person that cleans the toilets in the church will probably be the greatest in the kingdom because they are never thanked. How many of you, by a show of hands, have ever walked up to the person who cleans the church, cleans the toilets and says, thank you so much for cleaning that nasty toilet? Anybody ever do that? Never. No one ever thanks them for doing the things that they do, but they do it. Nobody knows who they are, but they do it in the name of Jesus. That person will be great in the kingdom of God. The person who's seen and the person who's preaching, listen, we're not going to be great. You might be least, and don't misunderstand me. I'm just happy to be getting in the kingdom. And y'all can say it better amen than that. And i tell you what, you need to be happy y'all going, because some of y'all, I don't know. Some, <laughs> some of y'all going to get in the kingdom, and, and the gate's going to be shutting and catch you on the coattail. Y'all going to be like, woo! Matter of fact, the gate caught your jacket. You're to have to cut the jacket and get, oh, thank you. So I'm gonna thank you, Pentecostal in heaven. Yes, thank you. You made it in. Well, we just be thankful to be in the kingdom. Yeah. But who's going to be greatest in the kingdom? I think it's the people. How about the lady who just prays for the church? Nobody knows who they are, but they pray faithfully. Never stop. They will be greatest in the In the kingdom, Jesus says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, as a matter of fact, in Matthew, you read this in your own time. But Jesus even goes on to say, unless you are converted as a child, you can't even go to heaven. Why? Because children, listen, are sincere and children are honest. You want to go to heaven? You got to be at a core level honest to say, God, I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. God, I can't help myself. I need you to help me. That's core level honesty. Kids are like that. Kids are honest. Kids are straight. I like to deal with kids more than I do adults. Say amen. amen. Say it again. Amen. I like to deal with kids more than I like to deal with my own family. Say amen. amen. Say it again. Amen. Say it again. Amen. It's true. Kids, they're honest. I mean, look, you know what? Kids will just come up to you, excuse me, sir, why do you have such a big head? <laughs> they will. Kids will just, you know, excuse me, um, why? Your nose is really big. <laughs> this week, we were at this youth camp. And it's a youth camp for boys. Each year, the director invites Elvira and I to to dinner with these boys and um, they're troubled teens and they come from all kinds of backgrounds all all over North Carolina. And so they always have their Thanksgiving on Monday and then they go home on Tuesday for a week or two and then they come back. They actually live in the wilderness. These boys, they have no electricity, no indoor running water, It's like camping, you know, turbo camping. I mean, it's ridiculous. I'm like, they have no electricity, nothing. And they make pizza outside and all kinds of stuff. It was really, really cool. So we went, and they also cooked their turkeys each year in the ground. Has anybody had a turkey cooked in the ground before? Raise your hand, please, please. That's two people, three. Okay, good. Good, that was more than even second service. Nobody's ever heard this. They put these turkeys. It is the best turkey I had in my natural life. They take these turkeys. They only season it with salt, pepper, and butter. They wrap it, wrap it, wrap it, wrap it, wrap it in luminal wrap, wrap it, wrap it, wrap it, get this pit really, really hot, put the turkeys in there, cover it up with these really, really hot coals and stuff like that. Seven hours later, they have a big ceremony to come and pull the turkeys out of the ground. So the coolest thing you've ever seen, they pulling these turkeys out the ground. This is the best turkey ever. So we're sitting at dinner and we got, there's a square table and it's kind of cool. And there's this kid at the table and he's a, um, I keep getting it wrong. He's a, what do you call it like when you have four kids, a quad, quad triplets, quad, uh, quadruplets, that's it. You can't have quad triplets. What am I thinking? Okay, fine. I keep wanting to say quadruplets. I don't know why, maybe the Duggars got me messed up. I don't even know why, whatever. And uh, (laughs) so this little kid, he's like a quadruplet and he's like this high. He's sitting over across the table and he looks over at me and he says, Mr. He says, was that thing, did you draw that in with a Sharpie? did you get that in? Did you color it in with a sharpie? I said, no. I'm like, you better be glad I ain't on that side of the table. He goes, well, how did it get there? I'm like, well, it grew in. Well, how did it get in that shape? Kids are, you know, they can keep going with their questions. I'm like, well, and after a while, I'm explaining the whole process of how the barber got it there and the barber put it there. I don't even know. Where. And the kids going, he going, well, that, that just looks, it looks like you colored it in. It's so cool. Can I touch it? <laughs> kids will tell you straight. Jesus said you cannot come into the kingdom of God unless you come in sincerity and humility and honesty. And if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you got to humble yourself like kids are humble. Children are just humble. And not exalt yourself. And don't ever exalt yourself. Because when you exalt yourself, that means God's got to put you down. And can I tell you something? That ain't good. God has to humble you? Not a good thing. God says, humble yourself. Let me tell you one other thing. I didn't tell them first or second. This is a freebie for y'all. Don't ever ask God to humble you. I've heard people's prayers. Oh Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, just humble me. Just humble me, Lord, humble me. Let me tell you something. Don't ever ask God to humble you. Don't do that. Not good. The Bible says that you are to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. If you ask God to humble you, something bad going to (laughs) happen. Say amen, saints. You know that's right. Don't ask God to humble you. Humble yourself. Come as a child. And the Bible says you'll be great in the kingdom of God.